Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. Welcome to the Soul H2O radio and podcast show rebuilding series. I'm your host, Sherry Stoll, and I couldn't be happier you joined us for part one in this group of shows focusing on the rebuilding of Jerusalem after the exile. I believe you're going to be shocked at how much the experiences people in history went through relate to what you're going through in 2023. Today is part one, episode 149, God is True to His Word, and it's my intention to show you that there's someone you can trust with your whole heart, your whole life. There's going to be so much scripture in this episode, so I think you're going to want to take time to download one of the Soul H2O journal pages during the first song. Use them to record scripture mentioned during the show and look up the verses later. Record what God speaks to you and let us know the impact to your heart. Journal pages can be found and downloaded from the show notes at soulh2o.com slash 149 with scripture graphics or anything else mentioned in the show. Ladies, if you're in the Brantford area this September 29th to 30th, I hope you'll join Rochelle Fletcher from The Goodness Project and I, along with a host of amazing breakout speakers like Ann Maines, Wendy Pauls, and Lee Smiles for the RISE Women's Conference. Find out more on the show notes. After the first music pick song, we'll dive into today's Soul H2O devotion. But for now, here's Torn Wells singing Joy in the Morning. Everything happens for a reason, morning. I was asked to be a speaker at Brayside Family Camp this summer. When the director, Mark Giancola, called and asked what I was going to speak on, a thought popped into my head that what I taught had to be something new. I felt that many of the people there would have had me come to speak at their church before or attended a conference when I shared my lessons learned in the desert messages based on my first book, Water in the Desert. Immediately, I had this impression that I should speak on the rebuilding of Jerusalem, but I quickly discarded that thought because I didn't want to release a series on rebuilding Jerusalem until I'd gone to Israel. You see, we were supposed to go to Israel in fall 2020, but for some reason, our trip was postponed and postponed and postponed. When the trip was rescheduled, it was the same time as I was traveling on the missions trip to Kenya. Amazingly, Todd and I are getting to go on one of Joe Amaral, the guy from episode 8, 87, and 136, one of his tours to Israel in the fall of 2024. But that wouldn't be in time for researching this course. I really felt like I could teach on this material so much better to be able to have seen the remains of this temple, which I'm sure it will make it better, but I'll just have to make a revision of this study at some point because God was going to quickly make it quite clear that this summer I was supposed to release the first version of my Rebuilding Jerusalem course. But I didn't quite know that yet. When Mark told me the theme verse for Family Camp, I really second-guessed my first topic idea. The theme verse for the three weeks of Brayside Family Camp was Isaiah 43, 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Okay, I was on board that God wanted me to do something new. But then it said, 
I am making a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This verse is where I got the idea for my book, Water in the Desert's title. It's the verse before my theme verses for that book, Isaiah 43, 20 and 21, which says, I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. I was really second guessing myself now, but I just didn't feel right to talk about it. One day I was praying, literally laying before the Lord, and I said, Okay, God, what do you want me to teach on? Do you want me to teach on how you provide water in the desert? Do you want me to teach on the rebuilding or something else? I didn't hear an answer, but I felt an impression to go back to those verses, read Isaiah 43 again, and take a look at it. As I began reading Isaiah 43:19, the theme verse for camp, I kept on reading. In this section, Isaiah was prophesying about the time that the Israelites were going into the exile, where they were going to be held captive by the Assyrian Empire and then the Babylonian Empire, followed by the Persian Empire. He then begins prophesying about a time after that when the same Jewish people would miraculously be brought back into the Promised Land. When I got to Isaiah 44, 28, bingo! The lights went on. God confirmed to me exactly what I was supposed to be teaching in the summer. I believe God has incredible insight for the people who were at camp and for those of you listening today. I believe the story of the rebuilding is going to really speak into what you're going through right now. In Isaiah 44, 28 to 45, verse 1, God says, When I say of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, he will certainly do as I say. He will command, rebuild Jerusalem. He will say, restore the temple. This is what the Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed one, whose right hand he will empower. Before him, mighty kings will be paralyzed with fear. Their fortress gates will be opened, never to shut again. For hundreds of years, God sent prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah to warn the people that if they didn't change their ways and turn their hearts back to God, that he was going to remove his protection from them, which would result in them being taken over by other nations and exiled to distant lands. But when they returned their hearts back to him, he would bring them back. I knew who Cyrus from Isaiah 44, 28 was. Cyrus the Great was the king of Persia God used to decree and fund the rebuilding of Jerusalem. True to his word, the people ended up in exile because they wouldn't listen. True to his word, God made a way for them to miraculously get back into their land. Ezra 1 records how Cyrus helps the Jewish exiles return. It says in verses 1 to 4, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah and Isaiah 2, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judea. 
any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord with the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may be now living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Verse 7 says, Moreover, King Cyrus brought out the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of his God. Cyrus, king of Persia, had them brought by Midrath, the treasurer, who counted them out to Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. Isaiah prophesied about Cyrus, king of Persia, about 200 years before he came as king, conquered Babylon, and allowed the Jews to go back to Jerusalem. Did you hear me? Isaiah prophesied about Cyrus about 200 years before it all happened. The way Cyrus led his empire was revolutionary and led to the fulfillment of prophecy way back from Isaiah 44, 28. And in 1879, archaeologists found what is now called the Cyrus Cylinder with a similar decree using the same language recorded in the Bible, giving this story even more historical backing. The more Isaiah prophesied, the more confident he became in the fulfillment of God's promises to free the captives from Babylon and bring them back to Jerusalem with joy because he believed what Moses said in Numbers 23, 19, that God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Moses, Isaiah, and I know that God is true to His Word. This is for the lost. Summer is here, and so is the message. My Joy Radio app is the perfect way to receive the Word of God. With 24-7 access to the Joy live stream, you can get the latest messages from the ministries you love, delivered to your smartphone, or download them for offline listening. Whether you're hosting a picnic or simply enjoying the fresh air, My Joy Radio app will be with you every step of the way. Download My Joy Radio app today and let the warmth of the Word heat your summer. Joy Radio, wherever you are. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. When my kids were younger, I loved how excited they would get on our first drive to Brayside for the summer season. As soon as we started getting to the windy part of East River Road past Glen Morris, they'd be sitting on the end of their seat with big smiles, talking about where they would go first, wondering who would be back that year and who wouldn't be, always asking when the tuck shop would be open. As soon as we got to the trailer, Todd's mom, who I just knew back as Bev then, would come over after her grandkids, who are now my stepkids, would come running over. Bevy tells me they felt like camp didn't start until we got there. Driving into the Brayside gates always felt like we were coming home. There's a peace when you enter the campgrounds, coupled with a sense of excitement that's unexplainable. 
I imagine this is what the Israelites felt when they were heading back to Jerusalem after decades of living in exile. The smiles that would have been on their faces as they saw a familiar landscape. I'm sure they were wondering what families would be returning and who they'd be missing. I bet tears would have been flowing, streaming down faces as friends and relatives reconnected after such a long time away from each other. We have to use our imaginations since Ezra only records a Cliff Notes version of the story that really mentions too many difficult to pronounce names. When telling about the homecoming of the people to the promised land, Ezra 2 says, Now these are the people of the province who came up from the captivity of the exiles, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken captive to Babylon. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to their own town, in company with Zerubbabel, Joshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Reeliah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mispar, Bigvi, Rehum, and Bana. See what I mean about the names? And it doesn't end there. Ezra 2 verses 3 to 67 is a list of names of men who were heads of families in Israel that returned to Judah and even list their animals. It tells how there were about 50,000 people who returned in this first wave of the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Scripture and history records that Sheshbazar, a man who would have been about 60 years old at the time of coming back to the land of Israel, was the one leading the first wave of returnees back to the promised land. He was the governor or prince of Judah. It also mentions Zerubbabel, and most scholars believe Zerubbabel was the nephew of Sheshbazar. They were both descendants of the last reigning king of Judah from the line of David and therefore important people in their culture. Later, Zerubbabel would go on to become governor of Judah, just like his uncle Sheshbazar. Judah was one of the 127 provinces of Persia mentioned in the book of Esther. Ezra 2 goes on to say in verse 68, When they arrived at the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the heads of the families gave freewill offerings toward the rebuilding of the house of God on its site. According to their ability, they gave. To the treasury for this work, 61,000 derricks of gold. That's about 1,100 pounds or 500 kilograms, valuing over 31 million U.S. dollars, just over 40.3 million dollars Canadian. 5,000 minas of silver were given. That's about three tons or about 2.8 metric tons, valuing over 2 million U.S. dollars, just over 2.6 million dollars Canadian, and 100 priestly garments. The priests, the Levites, the musicians, the gatekeepers, and the temple servants settled in their towns, along with some of the other people, and the rest of the Israelites settled in their towns. The people were returning to the land God promised them, to their families, their callings, their homes, and their relationship with God. Their generosity to the rebuilding of the temple is a direct result of their gratitude towards God for being faithful to his word. When you first hear this list, you might be impressed by the dollar value of the gold and silver, and that is an impressive amount of donations for the rebuilding of the temple when you consider the people had just come out of a time of exile where they had lost everything just decades ago. 
When you really think about the list of items they gave towards the rebuilding of the temple, I think the 100 priestly garments are the most impactful to me. To think that the people of God kept the priestly garments for 70 years reveals their deep trust that God was true to his word. Why else would they keep them if they didn't believe Jeremiah's prophecy that the exile would be over in 70 years? And if they didn't believe Isaiah's prophecy that one day a guy named Cyrus, 200 years later, would be leading an empire they didn't even knew would exist, would make a way for them to go back to the promised land and have a temple for priests to serve in. The 100 priestly garments proved they finally believed in the messages God spoke through the prophets and that God is true to his word. Daniel 9 records a time when Daniel comes to an understanding that the prophecies of Jeremiah explain that God said the exile would only last 70 years. He realized the time was close to 70 years, so time for the Israelites to come back to the promised land. Scripture records how Daniel fasted and prayed about the promise for God to release the captives as we know he did just two years later. Daniel was partnering in prayer with the promises of God. My challenge for you this week is to begin making bold statements like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Daniel about the future and begin partnering in prayer with the promises of God over your life, your family, and your country. Because God is true to His Word. From all of us here at Joy Radio, we're so glad you joined us for episode 149, God is True to His Word, part one in our Rebuilding series. Make sure to check out the show notes for scripture graphics, information about our guest, and links to anything mentioned on the show at soulh2o.com slash 149. I hope you'll share this episode with your friends and family. Take a screen capture while listening on your device and share on your social media to help spread the word about Soul H2O. Until next week, I'm praying you stay blessed and refreshed. We appreciate your support to help Soul H2O Ministries continue and want to thank all of you who partner with us in making this Joy Radio show a reality so people can come and get refreshed. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world.